be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Each year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the festival custom. After they had completed its days, as they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Thinking that he was in the caravan, they journeyed for a day and looked for him among the relatives and acquaintances. But not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? They did not understand what he said to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and favor before God and man. The Gospel of the Lord. There may have been some time in your life, and in most cases certainly would be, when you said to yourself, This is what I must do. From now on, my life will be centered on this. This is what I've been called to be. This is, to use a word I've used often recently, my destiny. Now sometimes in our lives that will change, won't it? But at some point we will make a decision that will change our lives permanently. And from which there is no real going back. I wasn't going to tell this story, but I think I will. When I was a freshman in high school, at the age of 14, I think, I walked into a Catholic church, and I said to myself, this is it. 
Whatever else God may have planned in my life, I don't know. But this is it. And that never changed. As time goes on, it became less and less possible to think of anything else. Our lives then are sometimes rather confused. But then again, at some point, we know what we want to be. Our Lord's life was very different in that sense, as we can see from this gospel. There was no confusion in him. Never any doubt whatsoever. As his human nature grew, it became more pronounced, but there was never any doubt. This is a beautiful gospel. It's strange in many ways. Our Lord is the age 12. That means he is a man and has certain responsibilities as a result. At the age of three, he was given his first tasseled garment. At the age of five, he was taught by his mother to read certain parts of the scroll of the law. At age 12, he was bound to go up to Jerusalem for Passover. So they are going up to Jerusalem for Passover. And he becomes lost in the crowd on the way home. Or so they think, only to find out that he is missing. And they, it takes them three days, that's important, three days. He is missing for three days, and they are searching for him. Again, it's as though the three days in the tomb. Can you imagine what they went through looking for him? What must have gone through their minds? We were just saying before Mass that any parent knows what it's like to panic over losing a child even for a few moments uh, in a mall or something like that. But to lose our Lord for three days, this is the only time, or the closest rather, that the Blessed Mother ever came to understanding sin. Sin, after all, is the loss of God. And now she, come, she understands what it's like to lose God. Imagine her own panic. And they find him in the temple. And in a world where the Father's word was law, the mother speaks. Again, St. Joseph is silent. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And she says... Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. Very sensible thing to ask, don't you think? Why have you done this to us? She explains the situation. And our Lord responds to her, Why were you looking for me? Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? 
St. Joseph would have sacrificed the Paschal Lamb when they were there. Our Lord saw the Lamb as being slaughtered. Even at this moment, the cross is before him. Even now he realizes, or rather sees, his own destiny. As he always does throughout his life. He is where he belongs. But he says, they did not understand what he said to them. Our Lord then is perfectly certain of what he's doing. There's no doubt whatsoever in his mind as to what he's supposed to be or where he's supposed to, what he's supposed to be doing, obviously. He realizes his own call. But notice what it says next. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. Obedient. That's the one quality we see shining through this gospel, our Lord's obedience. First is obedience to the Father, the Father. And notice, too, from this moment, St. Joseph disappears from the gospel. He's never seen again. He's done what he was supposed to do. Our Lord says, my father's house. He now points out who his true father is. He almost reproaches the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph in a way by saying, don't you remember? Don't you understand? I'm in my father's house where I belong. But he goes back and he's obedient to them as well. Again, the obedience that is so characteristic of our Lord constantly, always wanting to do the will of the Father, even toward the agony in the garden. Father, if it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And the final act of obedience going to the cross. So what do we see in these people then? In the Holy Family. This is the feast day of the Holy Family. The number of qualities that shine forth in this, Pope Paul VI mentioned three. I'll give them to you in reverse order. The third was the dignity of work, which we see in the life of St. Joseph and our Lord. We know nothing about our Lord's private life. Nothing. A life without miracles, without teaching, without struggle. That's the third thing. The second thing was just the ordinary joy of family life, with all that that brings with it. And the third, which is actually his first, was silence. This family is different that way, isn't it? There's a certain silence. We don't hear anything coming from them. Very rarely does anyone speak in this family. Of course, we have no idea what their day-to-day life was like. But there is a certain something about silence that allows for the presence of God and only then for the presence of God. Uh, I suppose sometimes that's a little difficult, isn't it? It is in any family. We all grew up in families, and we know that silence is not always an easy thing to find. And yet, that's part of family life, being silent together uh, in the presence of God. There's something beautiful about that, too, isn't there? So in any, in any event... We now are called to this. Our Lord went into the temple, the temple where he was worshipped, although unknowing, a temple where, they, where there was the slaughter of animals that were a symbol of his own sacrifice. 
And you and I then come to the temple today. But we come because the Lord is here. We come because we know why we should be here. No one needs to ask us why, nor do we have to explain have to explain it because we know why we're here. They should not know that you, I would be in my Father's house to come to do, to find what the Lord has done, to enter into his sacrifice and make that part of my life. Well, uh, we then now will go on as a family to do what families do, the greatest of all things we can do, to enter into the mystery of God and there find ourselves. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as your family, rejoicing in the birth of our Lord and trusting in your mercy. For the church throughout the world, that she will always be firm in her proclamation of the, the real joy and the real integrity of the family. And that she may be a visible sign of that family herself. We pray to the Lord. For our nation and all nations of the world, that they may come to have a greater respect for family life, a greater respect for the integrity of marriage, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, the dying, that they may know that they are united to the family of God in a unique way in their suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have left the family, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, especially life in the womb, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will proclaim the kingdom of God and be visible signs of it. For greater reverence for marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, they will always proclaim truthfully the joys of family life and the integrity of youth. Particularly, they may have a very great respect for the unborn. We pray to the Lord. Lord for all of us here, we may realize the true virtues and the values of family life, each in our own way and in our own place. We pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Lord as we sing.